Hello, everyone. Welcome to A Port Misery Podcast. This is a little bit of a redo. Um, I did The Misery of Sunny Corinthos Part 1 uh, on Saturday, but when I went back and re-listened to it, uh, I didn't get as detailed as I wanted to with this character, and I realized that Part one, while I'm keeping everything that I had, this will kind of be a repeat of what you heard in part one. So I apologize if you're forced to listen to this again, but it will be sort of a repeat. But I realized that this was the part I wanted to introduce Sonny's pre-1993 history in, and I didn't do it. And so we're going to rewind and we're going to do this again so if you did listen to I I know not a lot of people have listened to the first one so I don't feel super bad doing this but um if you listen to the first one the first five or six minutes are probably going to be the same and then I will probably get into more detail that I didn't have in the other one so hopefully you listen to this one and if not I mean you heard the other version so it's fine you're not missing too much but so here I'm gonna start uh this is a new hopefully reoccurring series where I break down the history of important citizens of Fort Charles and ask how did these people become so miserable? Were they always miserable? And if not, when did they become miserable? Because they think it's important. And the most important question is, do they deserve their misery? The first citizen that I'm going to be examining is Sonny Corinthos, arguably an extremely important character on this show. At the same time, Will this show survive without him? A lot of people think that they it might, um, including me. I mean, and I am a Sunny fan. I would like to just start that off saying, like, I like the Corinthoses and I like the mob element. But I, I do also like keeping it real. And Sunny may seem like an easy one for the question, you know, do they deserve their misery? Of course, the head of the Port Charles mob deserves the misery that he gets. But I think that we should go deeper than that. So, Sonny represents the bad boy type of character we've seen in Port Charles. Uh, Think Luke Spencer, Duke Lavery, Jagger Cates, Damian Smith. Um, These characters are the antithesis to characters like Robert and Max Scorpio or AJ and Jason Quartermain. Yet, women like Karen Wexler and Brenda Barrett and Carly... Benson, and all all the same, they obsess over him, right, regardless. Um, when he was first introduced, Sonny really represented temptation, something good girls like Karen and Brenda want that is bad for them. And his characterization in general is best summed up in Paradise Lost by John Milton, um, better to reign in hell than serve in heaven, right? And it's not despite his antisocial qualities and his dangerous lifestyle, but because of that lifestyle that these women are drawn to him. And so upon his arrival in Port Charles, Sonny made it very clear that he did not care about the rules 
and decorum of Fort Charles High Society, which is probably best embodied by the Quartermains. Um, as we got to know Sonny, we learned that he does have a code. He does, in fact, care about right and wrong, but on his terms and in the world that he chooses to move in. And this is probably best embodied in his, quote, mentorship of Jason Morgan, who will become his future business partner. And so Sonny really came to town as this sort of enigma, this human equivalent of a mystery waiting to be solved. But what was different about Sonny and what I think is one of the great things about Soaps is that he's this prime example that no one character falls into this desirable, everybody agrees that like men want to be him and women want to be with him, you know. It doesn't work with Sunny. Sunny is an incredibly divisive character that has done terrible, unforgivable things even prior to him showing up in Port Charles. Um, there's never been any illusions that his character could be redeemed by the love of any of the various women who have cared enough to try and fix him. Brenda, Carly, Emily, the list goes on. Sunny is the perfect example of how we as a society have actually begun to turn against this cliched character type. Um, so here's an abridged history of Sonny Corinthos, uh, what he represents to the city of Port Charles, how he's evolved on screen over the past three decades, and why Sonny isn't as bad as he once was. So this is part one, introducing Sonny Corinthos. So Sonny Corinthos is portrayed by Maurice Bernard, who originated the character in 1993. Several younger actors have played Sonny in flashbacks, um, including his own son, which was fun. But Bernard is the only actor to actually portray Sonny as an adult. And he's been on the show for almost 30 years. And so this is also what makes soap operas great. Legacy characters with rich histories on this show you know, regardless of whether or not you like that character. Um, the character was created by Wendy Rich and was only originally supposed to be on for a few weeks before being arrested or unceremoniously killed. And that, that fact alone is why Sonny is such a confounding character. Because he came on really aggressive because they had no intention of keeping him. So they were kind of like, we can have him do whatever we want because he's going to end up with a bullet in his head. And all of a sudden that became four years. And so he vacated the role briefly in 1997 and returned a year later. And he has been here ever since. He did briefly exit in late 2020 for about a month um, as Sonny went missing. And he is currently presumed dead in Port Charles. We know that he's alive in Nixon Falls being a bartender. Um, and yeah, he came back on screen January of 2021. So it wasn't that long. He has won three daytime Emmys, the first being in 2003, the second in 2019, 16 years later. And of course, he just recently won the 2021 Best Lead Actor. So what I want to do now, which I didn't do before, 
is I want to go into the background of this character before he came to Port Charles in 1993. And so his full name is Michael Caranthos Jr., nicknamed Sonny. Um, he was born sometime in the 1960s. Um, I went on Winky and like the dates aren't even correct and like math doesn't seem to work. But, you know, he's 53 apparently. And he was born. He was born. He was born. That's what we know. We know he was born. He was born in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, New York. And he had a very rough childhood. His background is something that is sort of illuminated throughout his 28 years on the show and so I didn't want to sort of have to keep jumping back like let's go back to 1974 like it's too much and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through so his parents his parents are Michael Corinthos Sr. Um, Mike's last name was Corinthos that's why Sonny's a junior I don't know why he took his family name Corbin I really really tried to find out um, I assume it's to escape his creditors and his mother is Adela Corinthos. Now, they really loved each other. It is implied throughout the series that they really loved each other, that she really loved him. And if you, you know, didn't fast forward through the Mike scenes in the last couple of years, it is implied that he really loved her as well. But he had a gambling problem, like a severe gambling problem. And so he ends up just taking off. Because he can't, he can't like live with the shame of not being able to pay his rent. And so Adela ends up taking a job with Trevor Lansing. And Trevor Lansing is garbage. And we're going to get into him in Port Charles probably in part three. But she gets a job with Trevor Lansing. They start having an affair. Um, I don't really, it's called an affair everywhere, but I mean, he's not married. It's like he's banging his assistant and he ends up, she ends up getting pregnant. So Adela gets pregnant with his brother, Rick Lansing, who he's not going to meet until the early 2000s. So we're not going to get too much into Rick, but she becomes pregnant with Rick and it's implied that Trevor is a complete psychopath who is trying to fight a five-year-old Sonny Corinthos for some reason. Sonny just brings it out of people, right? He just brings it out of people. And something goes down where Adela, a pregnant Adela, is at the top of the stairs with like a five-year-old Sonny and he's throwing a temper tantrum and she falls down the stairs. It is implied that he threw her down the stairs. I don't understand how a child throws their mother down the stairs. Like what is he, you know, Damien? But okay, so Trevor is pretty much like, you got to get rid of this kid. You got to get rid of this kid. And Adela is like, I'm not going to do that. She essentially trades Rick for Sonny because Trevor is a really important lawyer. And he's like, I'm going to sue you for Rick because, you know, I don't want to be around this kid. So Adela is forced to leave her son, Rick, and she takes Sonny and she goes back to Bensonhurst and she ends up marrying Deke Woods who is garbage and a half. He is a cop. He's one of the reasons Sonny doesn't trust cops. And he violently beat Adela. 
he violently beat Adela. Sonny saw it as a kid. He used to lock Sonny in a closet. It's one of the reasons why Sonny doesn't like small, uh, small enclosed spaces. It's one of the reasons why he doesn't want to go to jail because he can't be in a cell. Um, we kind of just ignored that when they actually had to put Sonny in jail. But, you know, it used to be a really big thing on the show that Sonny could not go to jail because he could not be in the cell. And it was because of this abuse by Deep Woods. Um, Sonny ends up running away and working for the Scully crime family because he sees sort of honor, he sees respect from these people versus, you know, this garbage police officer that he's forced to live with who beats his mom day and night. And so he ends up working for Joe Scully at the same time, at the same time, he's having this like weird flirtation with Connie Falconeri and he's secretly hooking up with her cousin Olivia Falconeri. They're all like 15 and 16 years old. Um, who else lives in the neighborhood? Um, Lois, Brooklyn's mom, Lois lives in the neighborhood. Like a lot of people live in this neighborhood. Um, Olivia ends up getting pregnant and she doesn't tell Sonny because he's working for the Scully crime family. And she ends up having the baby. She names him Dante. And she just says that she decides that it's better for everyone to think she's kind of like a slut who she doesn't know who her baby's father is than to for people to know it's Sunny. That's a choice. Um, he ends up convincing Connie to run away with him. Like, let's just run away, girl. I'm going to stop being in the mob. You don't need to go to your Ivy League school. And she ends up being sexually assaulted by Joe Scully's son, Joe Jr. And has like a, a, she gets pregnant. She has the baby secretly and leaves it in a drawer. It's it's very sad. And then just gets on a, a train to Connecticut and changes her name to Kate Howard and becomes that because Kate just sort of abandons him because Kate abandons him. He kind of just doubles down on the mob. He doubles down on the mob. Um, at this point, his mom has passed away. It is implied that she probably passed away because she was being abused, but they never really get into it. But Sonny really just doubles down on the mob and he ends up murdering a dirty DA. Um, that's when Elizabeth Hendrick's character came on the show. I just, honestly, I blocked it from my mind. But it's also when his son Joshua played him back in the day. And so that was a little cute thing. But he essentially murders this guy and Mike finds out about it, moves the body to Port Charles because drama. And that will come back up later on. But Sonny's now officially in the mob. Um, he ends up coming across John McBain's sister. And this is an interesting... It was interesting to me when they sort of went through that. That So what happens is that Scully, because like I said, he has now gone full-time working for Joe Scully. Scully sends him to Atlantic City to run a strip club called the Seabreeze. 
um, because Joe, his son, Joe Jr. is like a friggin' artard. And so, and also for those of you who know that Sonny came to Port Charles running this a strip club, like this was apparently Sonny's MO until, until he takes over the business. But Sonny ends up befriending one of the, the strippers named Teresa, who Joe Jr. is like infatuated with. And in a jealous rage, Joe Jr. ends up killing Teresa. Um, Teresa is John McBain's sister. And he also helps Scully get rid of her body. And so he's just making enemy after enemy after enemy in Port Charles before he's even stepped foot in the city limits. And so the rest... I'm going to, he comes to Port Charles working for Frank Smith and Joe Scully, but we're going to get into that in part two. So now what I'm going to do is just sort of go through the background of his character, um, which is what I did last time, but we didn't have that little mini, mini pre-1993 history. And so... He worked for the Scully crime family, he worked for the Smith crime family, and he will eventually work for the Zakara crime family. Those are the crime families he's worked for. Um, he's had four spouses on the show, Lily Corinthos, Carly Corinthos, arguably a super couple. Some people don't agree. We're not here to debate that. Um, Claudia Zakara and Brenda Barrett, also another super couple pairing. And Maurice Bernard is one of you know, few soap stars who have had established multiple super coupledoms. Uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting turn of events. Um, his siblings, Rick Lansing, who I got into a little bit with Trevor and Adela's background. He also has Courtney Matthews. That is his sister from his father, Mike. And Mike essentially just like left Sonny and Adela to start a new life with some other woman and had Courtney. And Courtney and Sonny meeting will take place in part two. And so I'm not going to get too into that. But, like, essentially, Mike went off and started a whole new life. And that's why Sonny has this sister. Um, his baby mamas, we have Olivia Falconeri. That's Dante's mother. As as I said, you know, she got pregnant. And she didn't tell him until we're going to get into that in part three. Alexis Davis is also one of his baby mamas. That was his attorney, and Alexis is a big storyline in Sonny's life. Sam McCall, I'm adding her. I, I know, I'm adding her. She also has a big storyline. And then, of course, Ava Jerome is one of his baby mamas. He has 10 children. He's had 10 children on this show, five living and five deceased. So there's Dante Falconeri. That's his son with Olivia. He has a deceased child with his first wife, Lily Corinthos. He has an adoptive son, Michael Corinthos III, with his second wife, Carly Corinthos. Um, he married Carly four times, but she's the second wife he's had. So I will be referring to her as his second wife. He has a deceased child with Carly. He has Christina Corinthos 
Davis with Alexis Davis. Um, he has Morgan Corinthos, who is currently deceased. Um, that is his son with Carly, but I don't think he's dead. I think he'd come back any second. Um, he has a deceased child with Sam McCall, Lila McCall. She's one of the only children to be named who didn't, you know, who wasn't alive past birth. But um, he has another deceased child with Claudia Zakara Corinthos. He has Avery Jerome Corinthos with Ava Jerome. And then, of course, he has his youngest child, Donna Corinthos, with Carly Corinthos. He also has two stepchildren. One is former, one is current. So he has Alec Barrett with Brenda. Um, she took her son and ran. We will get into that in in part four, in part three. And then Jocelyn Jacks, who is Carly's daughter with Jasper Jacks, one of his great enemies. He has three grandchildren. I think some of you guys only count two, but I'm going to count this other person. Of course, he has Rocco Falconeri, his uh, grandson, through his son Dante and Lulu Spencer. He has Charlotte Cassidine. She's not blood, but I'm more than confident she gets presents at Christmas and her birthday from Sonny Corinthos. So that's his step-granddaughter. That's Lulu and Valentine's daughter. And then, of course, he has Wiley, Wiley Corinthos Quartermain, his adoptive grandson with Michael, his adoptive grandson by Michael Corinthos and Nell Benson. Um, other relatives that he has in town, he has Molly Lansing Davis, his niece, that's his brother Rick's daughter, Spencer Cassidine, that's his nephew, his sister Courtney's son. Um, Gladys Corbin is his second cousin. Her son, Brando, is his third cousin. And then Brando's, like, unborn baby is his fourth cousin. So Sonny's, like, super connected to this town. I mean, even if you go through people who are connected to other people, I mean, Alexis, he's connected to the Cassadines. Same with Spencer. You know, Michael and Olivia, he, he's connected to the Quartermains, through Carly and Dante, he's the Spencers. And so he's extremely connected to this town at this point. Um, he has had several businesses in Port Charles. We're sticking with Port Charles businesses now. So the Paradise Lounge, which is a strip club, he doesn't own it anymore. He was the co-owner of Luke's Blues Club. He was the former silent partner of Deception Cosmetics. He currently owns Extreme Motors, which was once owned by Johnny Zakara and then Julian Jerome. And now Sonny owns it. It's also the place where uh, Nicholas had Hayden shot. So whatever evidence we were going to find, it's going to be at Extreme Motors. Perks Coffee, which he bought for Christina and her weird boyfriend when she was going through it. Volanino's Gym, which always makes me laugh because, you know, why do the cops work out at a mobster's gym? Why do they do that? There's no LA Fitness. Metro Court doesn't have a gym. Okay. It makes no sense. There's Pizzulo's, which is Sonny's restaurant. His office is located there and they never have customers, which I think is hilarious. Like, don't know how they're paying taxes on that building. But, and then of course, he, he is... 60% owner of Corinthos Coffee. Very famously, he's a coffee importer. And of course, he is the head of the Corinthos crime family. Currently, there's like a pissing contest between Carly and Jason, and they might have to get married. But Sonny will always be in charge, you know, even when he's dead, he's going to be in charge. 
he's had several business associates um the first and the first one that he really got attached to that i think people were really like rah 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 is luke spencer and they've had just a really colorful friendship since sunny came to town next would probably be jason morgan uh formerly jason quartermain i'm gonna have i have a huge section on jason quartermain for my part two so i'm not gonna get too deep into him um there's also the giabetti brothers max and milo and their father who was like a really important mob boss in new york city um, Duke Lavery became one of his really good associates until he was unceremoniously killed. And then um, Sean Butler. And so the, the, Damien Spinelli, I would count, he's more recent because Sonny was just so adverse to him for so long. But you know, Damien Spinelli is another one. And then, of course, Brick. I don't know Brick's last name. Are we supposed to know it? If you know it put it in my my Port Misery Twitter page and just let me know. I didn't look up Brick. His adversaries are, you know, besides the various mobsters that come to town or the cops that inevitably become dirty trying to nab him, I'm looking at you, Marcus Taggart. His only real adversaries were AJ Quartermain and Jasper Jacks, and they were over women you know, Brenda, Carly, and now Nina. I think some people might count Julian Jerome, but I mean, I throw him in the mobster category, like the random mobsters that come to town. I don't necessarily think that he was coming for Sonny's woman. I, Alexis is not his woman. And so that's pretty much the background of Sonny before he came to Port Charles in 1993. And then just like a a sort of overview of all of the people who are extremely connected to him in this town. And so the next few parts will be out in weekly installments. Part two will be out by next Saturday, I promise. And it's going to look at the years 1993 to 2002. And we're looking at the making of this mobster and how he goes from being this really low level, unimportant thug running a strip club to head kingpin in charge. I mean, he is running everything by the time we get to 2002. And so I think it's really important for us to kind of go back and look at how did Sonny become the kingpin of Port Charles? He did not show up that way. And there was never sort of you know, this is, it was not inevitable that he would become the kingpin of Port Charles. And so I do want to just kind of break that down, break down his important relationships, how consensual were some of these relationships, how mature were some of these people, you know, Stone Cates, Karen Wexler, Brenda Barrett, and of course, Jason Morgan, how mature and how much do they understand what they were getting into when they decided to tie themselves to Sonny Corinthos. So this has been the misery of Sonny Corinthos part one redo. Once again, if you listen to the other part, thank you for listening to that as well. Um, I think this one's a better version. And of course you can follow me, Tara at LA state underscore of mind on Twitter. 
And you can follow this podcast at port underscore misery at Twitter. Have a great day, everyone.